This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. As we've seen time and again, our legal system and criminal punishment in America are often marked by inequality, double standards, and institutional racism. It's something our next guest confronted repeatedly as she worked as a prosecutor for the U.S. Department of Justice. She saw black communities treated differently by police and black defendants treated differently in the courts. And all the while, she was navigating the system as a black woman prosecutor, herself facing discrimination. Laura Coates is a senior legal correspondent for CNN and host of The Laura Coates Show on Sirius XM. Her new book is called Just Pursuit, A Black Prosecutor's Fight for Fairness. And she joins us now. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. I'm so glad to be with you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for for making the time and congratulations on, on the book release. Thank you. It's been really, really exciting, but very sort of daunting. As you can imagine, it's a very personal and vulnerable book as well. And so I think it's not people expected, and I'm so grateful for the response that it's gotten. Absolutely. And we're going to get into that. But but first, talk to us a bit about your background, Laura, and and your work as a prosecutor. Well, you know, I actually started my practice in private practice in Minneapolis, where I was raised in St. Paul, and then also in New York doing intellectual property litigation and big firm Um, you know, litigation. But then I really had a calling, as I always did, to go into civil rights work. And when I had an opportunity to join the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, I jumped at the chance to do voting cases and enforce voting laws across the country back when Section 5 still existed and Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act had not yet been rendered anemic. And so even then, I I really was so proud of the work. However, there's a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of thumbs on scales. And I really wanted to have a greater impact on the day-to-day struggles of communities that were marginalized and Mm -hmm. most at risk. And so I went to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C., which is still under the same umbrella, Sasha, as the Department of Justice, but it was a transformative and transformational experience to go from a civil rights attorney within the department where really it's assumed in a foregone conclusion whose champion you are and where your allegiance lies to being a criminal prosecutor where it's often challenged by virtue of me being a black woman. Just Pursuits is is such a revealing look inside the court system. Was that difficult for you to do, Laura, to, to peel back the curtain this way? It was. I often question whether I should do it this way and had moments of regret of thinking, gosh, it's so personal. Do I want to go there? Do I want to be this personal? Do I want people to understand really not just through my commentary with CNN what the law is and how to interpret it, but from my personal experience, what the law feels like and what the pursuit of justice is really like. But I ultimately became the conclusion, Sasha, that if people are going to speak truth to power, mm-hmm. they must first know what the truth is. And through you know this episodic tales each chapter stands alone, I really was intentional about personifying the issues that everyone is talking about through the stories that need to be told. Help us understand the the, the struggle that you experience as a black prosecutor, but also feeling sympathy for, for defendants or witnesses as you're seeing systemic racism play out. Well, you know, I think it's a fallacy, first of all, that black and brown people are supposed to occupy but one space in a criminal courtroom. Either that is a defendant or a defense counsel. And people often thought that it was an either or. Either you could be an advocate and proponent of civil rights or you could be a prosecutor. And the two just did not meet in people's minds. But I think we really have to think about it in a way where we want people who are invested in civil rights to be in positions of power as gatekeepers, to exercise their discretion, and also to advocate and champion for those who who deserve one. And that includes, obviously, the communities. It includes the victims. But at times, it also includes 
the defendants. And when I would stand up as Laura Coates on behalf of the people of the United States, it could not, it could not exclude the defendant. He or she had rights that needed to be protected. And I think so often we find that people, when they have power, like a prosecutor does, they want to wield it in a way that makes them a beneficiary of the benefit that we're given. You know, when someone says, well, the government wouldn't have prosecuted this person if there wasn't enough evidence there, or cop wouldn't have stopped the person, but for something. I think it's important for us to really understand that the role of people who are invested in the rights has to be all throughout the justice system. But also, Sasha, I'm sure you can imagine, as we all do in our lives, I've never had the luxury of when I walk into a courtroom or a boardroom or a classroom or mm-hmm. on a media panel or anywhere of shedding my identity, of my lived experience as a black woman and wife and mother and human being and student of history. And I think it's really important through my through this you know story, I really wanted to show why we have to unapologetically bring our entire selves into those rooms and that justice is better for it. Yeah, I want to dig into some of the specifics that you talk about in in Just Pursuit. In one case, you recall a sexual assault victim being victim-blamed for her clothing by a judge. Tell us a bit about that and what it was like for you. Well, you know, it's really shameful. That chapter, I, I, I wanted everyone to really understand, particularly in an era where we talk about during the Me Too movement, and we have this phrase of believe women. And it seems as collectively we've decided, obviously, what's, what's wrong with victim blaming and shaming, particularly those who are delayed in their reporting. But that's a court of public opinion. And in the court of law, it often is handled quite. And sometimes the face or the gender of the person that is presumed to be somebody who would victim blame will really surprise you. And in this story, I talk about a young girl who would accuse the equivalent of her stepfather of prolonged sexual assault over years. And it was a female judge who who behaved in a way that I think most people would assume perhaps a man would or a juror would, mm-hmm. who wouldn't understand why some people delay in their reporting or would have these preconceived notions about, frankly, who is entitled to be thought of and respected as a victim and a survivor. And I, um, I tell this story about what it was like in the instant I realized what the outcome of the trial would be just on those preconceived notions and assumptions made by that judge. You also break down how it feels as a black woman to have to aid in in getting black and brown defendants deported. Explain that. You know, I begin the book with a chapter really that, you know, I in my commentary in general, I suffer no fools. I don't leave myself out of the criticism. I don't um, want anyone to believe that I that my goal is to you know self-aggrandize. I don't think that's that's impactful in any way. And I'm a human being who has made choices. And um, I I begin the book talking about how the pursuit of justice can create injustice. And the prime example of that was when a victim of a car theft reported that his car had been stolen. And in a run-of-the-mill background check we perform on anyone to see if they have warrants or if there's a safety issue of any kind, it pinged that he had an active deportation warrant that was decades old. Since he'd arrived in the country illegally, he had not much as sneezed in the direction of an officer. But here he was, the victim of a crime, and he chose to report as we want people to do. And the person who stole the car had an extraordinary rap sheet. But yet in our system, because of our immigration policies, the person who was victimized by the car thief 
was treated akin to how the actual car car thief was. And for me, in this moment, trying to figure out how I was going to bridge the gap between what I knew to be unfair and an injustice happening to this man and also what the law required. It just demonstrates how often, unfortunately, your moral compass can point one direction and the orders you're given point Mm -hmm. another. And I, I write from the perspective of wanting people to understand that sometimes you have no alternatives in the choices you must make. But if that's the case, then what does that say about our justice system? That there is a clear chasm between what is right and what is um, was lawful, mm-hmm. what is expected, and what is required. Another time you were put in a tough position. This one blew me away. You wrote about a white male colleague who trained you on how to unfairly interrogate a young black defendant. Um, he approached you, he said, let me show you how it's done, Coates. It's going to give you a high. He thought it was funny. Mm. What was going through your mind? Funny. He thought it was funny, right? What was going through your mind, though? And, and what did he tell you to do? Well, one, that he thought he was trading me, um, and that there was the idea that I would in some way want to emulate his abuse and exercise of power. And um, it was one of those moments when I was juggling a number of trials, preparing, and a colleague says, hey, you know, you want, you want to see something funny. And in that moment, I jumped at the chance to have some levity, thinking that there was going to be actually something funny to share. Instead, we went to the court, the basement of our own offices, and there was a defendant who was chained to a desk with his own counsel present, by the way. Hmm. And my colleague was trying to convert this person possibly to be an informant and was using tactics in a way to do so. And just looking to see and what the kinship I felt with the person who was the defendant um, and knowing how wrong and speaking out about it, but also it shows the idea of, of the notion of there are those who honorably serve as public servants and those who do so corruptly, and also those who really believe in the us versus them. I mean, even from me shaking this young man's hand, my colleague was aghast at this notion that I would um, would touch them, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. or that I would be in a position to think that everyone needed and required dignity and deserved it. Yeah. At the same token, but for my even with my best intentions, my presence was complicit. Me being there was complicit in what was happening, and this young man took the brunt of it. And I write about what his experience was like and what I saw. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. If you are just tuning in, I'm talking with former prosecutor and now author Laura Coates. She's discussing her new book, Just Pursuit, and her experience as a black woman working in the American justice system. Laura, when I read your book, I couldn't help but think about something else that comes to mind when I when I when I think about when I imagine what it's like to be a black prosecutor and that's the negative response that you would get from Mm -hmm. some in the black community right you're kind of viewed upon like a a police officer we already know that strain that exists in that relationship I also watched uh, Vice President Kamala Harris have to deal with this too she had to sort of almost prove her allegiance with the black community while she was on the campaign trail because she had been um, Attorney General of California. So have you dealt with that burden as well? And, and how did you handle it, if so? Of course. I write a chapter about a confrontation um, that I had with a Black Defense Council, and a verbal confrontation, obviously, with a Black Defense Council on this very notion of both of us believing that we were at the right seat at the table. She believing that I, you know, had no right to say that I would believe in civil rights if I was standing where the stereotypical quote-unquote man would be. 
me, I, I had a different perspective. And in my mind, I looked to see, well, I, first of all, yes, black and brown people are disproportionately represented in our criminal justice system. But my victims were also disproportionately black and brown. And did not they deserve some form of a champion or advocacy? And more importantly, you know, when we think about the different roles that defense counsel and prosecutors play, both of them are extraordinarily significant and impactful. I just believed that it was better for somebody with a civil rights background mm -hmm. who believed in dignity of other people to be at the table that exercised the discretion, that it was at the table who could actually use judgment to use healthy skepticism and question what an officer was doing questioned what charging decisions ought to be made, questioned and was able to be in a position to dictate the sentencing should a conviction actually occur. And um, I, whereas I saw defense counsel being in a very reactive state where after and assuming you even had a good prosecutor who was thinking about all those issues, you were still reacting not only to the weight of having United States versus your client's name, but also to every choice that was made before you even became the defense counsel. Yeah. And so we, we, you know, we had a, an issue about this very notion about whether it was either this seat or the other, but really it's every seat. It's law enforcement, it's judges, it's members of Congress, it, it involves prosecutors and defense counsel. It includes appellate judges, Supreme Court justices, I might add. It includes those who are on sentencing boards and commissions and parole boards. It involves the whole ecosystem of justice. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to get out of the mindset that says you can either believe in civil rights or you can be in positions of power. Well, in the, in the minute I have left with you, Laura, tell us what you're most hopeful for in the years to come concerning the state of our legal system in America. I'm most hopeful that people are beginning to understand through vicarious experience and the type of empathy that led us to make such changes in our society from the mother of Emmett Till showing the world what injustice looked like on her son's face to viewing what happened on the Edmund Pettus Bridge to watching the Freedom Riders to be able to even have a cell phone video capture the murder of George Floyd and, and so many others. We have to be in the position to see something, say something, and know precisely what it is we need. And it's more than just about a police encounter. It's more than just about a single amendment. It really is about understanding that we cannot give members of Congress or the bench off-ramps to being holistic in their approach to justice. And you know what, Sasha? We talk about the pursuit of justice. What a country we would be if one day we actually catch it. That was Laura Coates on her new book, Just Pursuit, A Black Prosecutor's Fight for Fairness. This is definitely a must read. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, Sasha. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.